enlarged in the fullness thereof and all that dwell therein. Oh, hallelujah. It's all God's. What a encouraging fact. In fear of sounding like a broken record, but because it's the truth, I'll be a broken record. God is not just going to give you a breakthrough, a breakout. God is going to give you a break forward. You've heard about breaking even? Some of us be content with breaking even. But God said, I'm going to make it so that you break forward. Break forward. He's able to do exceedingly and above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. So you've had an idea. You've set the perimeters and you've made the wish and the prayers and this is what you'd like to see. Well, God says, I'm just going to push the, it a little bit beyond that for you. Sometimes we're blinded by the opposition. And as a result of being blinded by the opposition, we're not able to see clearly the forces that are on our behalf. Elisha and his servant experienced that one day. As the Syrian army seemed to be pressing in and They, the servant noticed the opposition, the multitude of opposition. And in his concern, he addresses Elisha and says, what are we going to do? Anybody ever done that? What are we going to do? What are you going to do? So Elisha knew that it wasn't so much what we were going to do, but it was, had more to do with how he was seeing. And so he prayed and said, Father, would you just go ahead and open up his eyes and lift him up a little higher so he can see that there's more with us than there is with them. I don't think God's ever quit operating. I, I, I think that, that there still is more with us than there is with them. <laughs> There's more with us than there is with them. And the earth really is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Man. 
So may the Lord lift our clarity of our sight and beyond the parameters of what we see into the heavens to see what is really going on. And there, there is a heavenly army that is marching through the land. There is a heavenly army that's marching through the land. Well, I said there is a heavenly army that's marching through the land. (laughs) (coughs) So, well, let that sink in. Father, we just thank you today that there's a lot of deception, but at the same time, God, there is truth. And we pray for that truth this morning, that it will revolutionize our lives, that there will be a new or a better visual that we would hold by your grace in Jesus name today I want to talk about the love of God how many think that might be all right the love of God Uh, it's a you know it's not a new subject but it's the best subject and I want to talk about it in the perspective of how God paid a high price for your life and for your living. And I want them to put up the passage of Scripture found in Ephesians chapter 3. You can read it with me. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's got to be a reason why you do this. Why you bow your knee to him. Next. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints. Everybody say all the saints. saints. Not exclusive to a few, but what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height? To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Another passage says understanding. In other words, you know, you'll never really be able to get a full dimension grip on it, but you can increase in it, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Notice that the fullness of God is, you know, connected to how much you understand the love of God. The fullness of God 
And understanding the depth of the love of God or the immeasurableness of, of the love of God. God is not just interested in saving you from hell and giving you eternal life, but he wants to fix your life. To fix your life. And because that's what he wanted to do, there's a lot of things that he had to change. There's a lot of things that need to be affected in order to save us, give us eternal life, and fix our lives. God's love is the core of who he is. The very core of who he is. His love is everlasting. His love has and is unconditional. His love, according to Romans, I believe, chapter 5, says it's his love is secure. And then, of course, as we read, his love is immeasurable. What Jesus did changed the whole trajectory of life. Where death reigned, now life reigns. Where the cross was once a symbol of fear, it is now a symbol of love. Where it was once an instrument of death, it is now an instrument of life. The love of God. It went ahead and took things that were upside down and turned them right side up. Jesus' ministry. From the very beginning, and as, he, uh, as he came into life, into our living, in Luke chapter 4, we see where he unites the young and old. Anne and Simon, Simeon takes this baby Jesus and holds him in their arms and begin to prophesy. In chapter 4 of Luke, Jesus ends the religious exclusivism. He said, I've got to preach the kingdom to other cities. So he's expanding the borders and the boundaries. I must go to Samaria, a place that, you know, was out of bounds for any of the religious leaders or the religious people. 
It says in Ephesians chapter 4 that there was, a, there, there, was, there was division. There was a wall. But he said, I broke it down. He didn't just break it down, but he said, I'm going to go ahead and just make one brand new man out of it. And when you make one brand new man, he says, then you make peace. In his own sermon that he gave, he, he goes ahead and shows that how in the Old Testament, God went ahead and bestowed his favor and his blessings on those that were not in line for it, the non-Israelites. He talked about the widows, the widow of Samaria. While there are many widows in the land, God sent a favor to them as you began to paint the picture of what was in store because of the love of God. Naaman, the Syrian, how his, the power of healing was going to break the borders of the Jewish parameters and move outside the norm. In Luke chapter 7, he goes ahead and takes the outsiders and he makes them insiders. He talks about the centurion who was a Gentile and spoke about how his faith was so amazing. The woman who had a sinful past who broke the alabaster box and washed his feet and he began to tell it. Sometimes when your past is really terrible, your future is really bright. And in Luke chapter 5, in, in, in chapter 8, he even kind of breaks through a cultural thing. And he said, men and women are equally welcome as devoted, devoted followers of Jesus Christ. The culture hadn't had that. And then Luke chapter 10, he says, you know what? He says, the rich, the educated, the poor, doesn't make any difference what your class is. You all got to come through the same door. Thanks to the... Level playing field. Cost of life. Let me give you some present statistics on what it costs us in America as we just try to pursue life, keep healthy. Because keeping healthy, there's nothing other than just life. Why do we want to be healthy? Because we enjoy the life side of things. In our pursuit in America for life, 
cost them dollars, just in the health realm, $8,608, that's the latest statistics, is spent per capita, per individual. By 2024, one in every $5 is going to be spent on health care or pursuing of life. By that same time, $5.43 trillion annually we spent because we're interested in living. You've heard the phrase, and people talk about, you know, <clears throat> and make millions of dollars off of it because they've found some way to have the, find the fountain of youth. To live better, to live younger. Now, I'm all for being young. But I think you'll agree with me this morning that there's only one fountain of life. And that fountain of life is Jesus Christ. I'm not putting us down. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be, you know, uh, uh, caretakers. Not at all. But we spend a lot with regard to life. Because no matter how you boil it down, it's about life. Living is about life. The price that God paid to bring us life, and we're going to get to the love part of it. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20 says, For you are bought with a price. We know that the word price by itself tells us there's a, a cost. Now, now, this is not new, but neither is it old. It's not old. The cross is not old. You are bought with a price. And he says, because there's been a price for life, the purchased one needs to then respond accordingly and therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. First Peter chapter 1, verse 18, it says, knowing that you're not redeemed with corruptible things. See, God's sacrifice was not, a, was not measured by finances, political cost, or personal investment. You're bought with a price, not silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4. So my hope is that you will grasp the cost of this, the price of it. Why 
What did it cost the father? For bringing life. It says in John, one of our favorite ones is, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Notice the depth of God's love. See, the depth of one's love is measured by what it costs him. God's love is measured more than in a few bruises, a few stripes, although they are there. God's love is measured in the fact of he went ahead and gave his only son. Ah, but he's God. Yes, he is God. But God is not without attachment. God is not without, you know, uh, 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 you know, a deep level of feeling. God is, this is a, this is a main thing. This is a main pull. Romans chapter 8 says that he who spared not his own son. Now we know the, the agreement in the Godhead with regard to this, but there was such an attachment with the father to the son that, you know, Jesus himself said that he could call 12 legions of angels that are setting free from the environment, you know, in the situation, just like that. God's eye and God's attention was so on, you know what I mean, how's my son doing? He could have called 12 legions and released him from it. See, I don't think the father sending the son, you know, I think it's really a big deal. Come on, dads. While salvation is offered freely, it doesn't mean that it didn't cost something. It cost him the sacrifice of his only begotten son. We hear the father's endearing voice in Matthew chapter 3 verse 17 and something that we're familiar with, but it says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well, please, did you know that there's just, there's just no disappointment that Jesus has rendered to his father? He's exceeded all expectations. He's met every need.
And when he says, this is my beloved son, he says, that's an endearment. This is not just my son. But this is my, my son that is so endeared to my heart and my life. He gave him. Now, I don't know about you, but I've, you know, I've got one son, I've got a daughter, and I do the same thing for either one of them. But you know what? I don't like to see him suffer. I don't like to see him go having a trial. I don't like to see him have a bad day. You know? I know that life is that way, but it just pulls on my heart. I can't help it, you know? And I, and I will step up, you know, and, and virtually do anything that I can to go ahead and just eliminate any kind of pain or any kind of things that, you know what I mean, would make their day less than perfect. You cannot deny that the father loved the son. But notice. That even his love for the son was preempted. The love he had for you. Because when God begins to factor in the dimension of love, he also sees the need. The son doesn't have a need, per se, you know what I mean? But to know that the father loves him. But he sees the helplessness, he sees the impossibility. And so he goes ahead and says, you know, my love for my son is here but the need and the love for the world compels me how many know that even though you know he's God so even though you know good days are coming you still don't enjoy the bad ones Right? You don't enjoy the bad ones. So, okay, so, yes, you know, the Father knows what he's going to do. But at the same time, you can't tell me that he doesn't feel what his son's got to be put through. Oh, how he loves us. I can tell you what, I'm not giving my son for you. I'm sorry. I don't have that kind of love. <laughs> I mean, I, I, honestly, I don't understand that. I, I want to comprehend it more. You know what I mean? How that, how that God could do that because he loved the world. That he would take the initiative and said, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm not worrying about the lack of response. I'm doing it because I'm going to put my love out there. When he gave him that word, he was 
given a word of, obviously, of demonstration and yet distinction. He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not? God setting the bar and the standard, you know what I mean, for how he's going to treat your life. He who spared not his own son, but gave him up for us all. How shall he not also give you freely all things that are necessary for your life? He's saying, this is the bar. This is the standard at how I'm treating your life. I don't know how you're treating your life and how you're responding to that love of God. But God's not changing his idea in his mind. He's just not going back. He's already made all the sacrifice and the best sacrifice and the most powerful sacrifice and the greatest demonstration that I love you. Now, I know there's a lot of forces against you. There was a lot of forces against God when he sent his son, too. God says, I'm setting the bar and how I'm going to care for your life. How shall he not freely give us all things? The real key to growing in love is to knowing God's love. It's to knowing God's love. Romans chapter 5, it says this, it says, God demonstrates his love toward us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. He died so you could get better. He did not wait for you to go ahead and get better. God's love. The Father gave his son. First John chapter 4 says, In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. It's been around. We quote it. We live in the blessing of it. But sin is a big deal. And God sent his son to take care of the big deal in our lives. So it cost the father. What did it cost the son? What did it cost the son to bring life? Philippians chapter 2, if you would. Verse 
Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal to God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and becoming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. When Jesus left heaven, it was more than going to a mission field. Follow me. We go to mission fields here on earth. We leave our homeland, but we go to, by and large, a same environment. Same likenesses, same identities, same atmospheres. We go to those that are like us. And while Jesus was on a mission field, he did not just leave from a someplace on planet Earth to another place on planet Earth. He left a totally different domain. He left a heavenly presence. A heavenly presence. He left, the young people like this, his superpowers. Not that he didn't have power, but they had to tap into the power. In heaven, he didn't have to tap into the power. Who being the form of God... He was God. But he went ahead and was willing to forego that domain. He left dignity. In heaven, he was loved. He was respected and he was worshipped. How many know what happened when he came to earth? He was rejected. He was spat upon. He was ridiculed. In heaven, he's God. When he comes to earth, he all of a sudden has to move into the realm of submission. Submission to parents. Submission to teachers. Submission to government. He found himself 
rather than owning everything, he found himself owing. As he entered the realm of paying taxes. Now, it may not seem significant to you, but that's totally foreign. Totally out of character. But it says he lay aside his whole position of of deity. He emptied himself, his reputation, all the glory, all the splendor in heaven just to walk among us. In the closest comparison that I can come up with, and maybe you can come up with a better one, but for God to become man... is of a much greater divide than for you to become a dog. Yeah. For you to become a dog. You're entering, you're, you're going from what you were to a level, you know what I mean? That's what Jesus did. That's what his sacrifice, that's what his, that's what his love did. You know what I mean? He went ahead and, you know. In the dimension of who God is and who man is, you know, you and I are more closer to a dog than Jesus is to man. In terms of realm of difference. I said, I'll do it. I'll do it. He said, I'm not here to do my own will. I'm here to do the will of my my father. It cost him the renunciation of his glory and his majesty. It cost him the glory that he had with the Father in the beginning. In fact, as Jesus himself said this, as he prepared and finished his ministry in John chapter 17, as he's praying, you know what I mean, for the present generation, you know, uh, uh, for the following generation, every generation after that. He said, Father, he said, now I want you to glorify me with the glory that I had with you in the beginning. The lapse. I don't know about you, but sometimes in those glory moments of God, I go ahead and have some moments that are not quite so filled with glory. I'm struggling, you know what I mean? Not struggling in my faith and not struggling in that, you know what I mean? But just, just struggling, you know, to stay positive and to... To anticipate and to believe and hey, good things can happen. That struggle. And then I move over and begin to call upon him and tell him how much I need him and how much I love him and I just need your presence, Lord. And I need you to touch this old heart of mine. I need you to refresh this, this old mind of mine. And every once in a while, God, I need you to touch this body. You know what I mean? It 
starting to get so it needs more of a touch, you know what I mean, than anything else. And then that, and that presence comes. It just revolutionizes, and just all of a sudden, you know what I mean? There is no mountain you can't conquer, no river you can't cross. I've read that in the book someplace. You know? <laughs> but do you understand what I'm saying? The presence of God just does that for you. But Jesus went ahead and that unbreakable domain. Living in the glory. Because when John in the Revelations goes ahead and peels back the clouds for us, lets us walk into the heavenlies and place of God and place of angels and place of the activity of God. No divisions. No stripes. Holy, 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 holy. I mean, just imagine, you know what I mean? Uh, having to take on an unholy environment. Had to move into an unholy place. But he said, I'll do it. I'll do it because of our love. A love for you. A love for sinners. God really does have a worldview, doesn't he, church? And he did it while we were sinners. Now, you're really in a good, pot, a good position this morning because, you know what I mean, you believe you're not a sinner, and so you're in the part of the family of God, and so you even come under better covenant relationships and, you know, a better f- a fountain of, of his love. It says in Acts chapter 8, it says in his humiliation, his justice was, was taken away. I've never been falsely accused to any large degree that I know of, at least that nobody told me about it. <laughs> but this was public humiliation. You can just be totally innocent and And don't tell me it wasn't heavy. In the garden, it says that it was so heavy that he, he sweat as though it was great drops of blood. We have a compressing of, of everything that's taken place there. Everything's zeroing in and boring in on him. But he said, I, I know that the only possible way, Father, that they can know how much you love them if I, I go ahead and be the manifestation of it. If I go ahead and, you know, paint a, a real picture of how much I love you or how much you love them. Love. He 
so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And the good news is he didn't wait for us to ask him. Saw our need, was willing to do it in order that we might live. That's one of the decisions to come. What it cost the Father, what it cost the Son, and what it cost the Holy Spirit. I'm sure you understand the Holy Spirit is more than a divine influence. The Holy Spirit is more than a divine influence. The Bible says that, you know, that the, the Holy Spirit, you know, has a will, has a thoughts, you know what I mean? It all, has all those same characteristics, you know, that the Godhead has. And while the Holy Spirit had been from time to time temporarily here and temporarily influenced, you know, and was, had selective appearances throughout history, now all of a sudden, he becomes permanent, universal. Not just a select few of people, you know what I mean, that he's going to use, that are going to respond right. All of a sudden, he's sent to the same people that God has loved. And he's got a job. He's got to convict them of sin. He's got to kind of try to get them to see that righteousness is a way of life with God and that there's judgment to come. I don't know about you, but, you know, I just don't like talking about judgment. I, I don't. I go, you know, uh, let me see if I can, you know, if I can get you turned without telling you what the bad will happen if <laughs> you do or don't. I don't think that the main role is this. You're going to go to hell. I think the main role is this. You can go to heaven. Yeah. Holy Spirit. She begins to woo the hearts and the stubborn hearts of sinful men. He has a job working with people because they don't believe in Jesus. That's what it says in John chapter 16. They don't believe in Jesus. And so his role is to try to convince them that, to believe in Jesus. Suffering with people that don't think he exists. 
being grieved. It says in Ephesians chapter 4, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. I mean, in heaven, he was never grieved. And now he has to step into an arena all because God loved us. And so we see God, who we know is one, you know what I mean? But at the same time, changing the domains, changing everything, because I love you so much. interesting that the first point of for his coming is love not you know not to kick the devil's butt <laughs> he does that too he does And I think that's the same motivation that he wants in us. You know what I mean? Don't worry about kicking the devil's butt. You can do it. But because I love you. I love you and I gave myself for you. And this is the price. This is what it cost me. But I did it willingly. And I did it lovingly. You know what I mean? And the word sacrifice is not to be meant begrudgingly. Stand with me this morning, but you know what I mean? Because that's what was required. Love that does not have cost to it cannot really qualify for love. Hallelujah. That's right. That's right. We love. How can we prove, improve our loving? By understanding his love better. We love because he first loved us. Hallelujah. That's why we, we got to comprehend the love is so we can get along better. Be more gentle, more kind, more caring, more giving, more understanding, more sacrifice, because that's the nature of, of true love. See, society's love is self-satisfaction, self-fulfillment, you know, self-gratification, self, 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 self. God's love is Others, 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 others. Oh, hallelujah. For God so loved the world that he gave, his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. When you understand the love of God, the perishing elements in your life will start to just, you know, have less and less effect on you. 
and you will go ahead and embrace more and more of the life of God in you. Let's love God more. Let's love our neighbor more. Well, God is all the benefits. God and the the results of that comes to our lives through the cross and the resurrection. We also want to comprehend, Lord, the magnitude of the sacrifice from the heavens to the earth, from the cradle to the grave, and through the resurrection, and all that has happened in relationship, God, to your redemptive plan for mankind. Would you help us this morning to be refreshed and renewed and softened and and God and gentilized because of your great love. And help us to understand today, Lord, that you have not stopped loving the world yet. You are still sending out your love to the sinner. Even as you began it that way, you will end it up that way. Lord, I just pray I got a life-giving week to everyone. In the name of Jesus Christ, let us glorify the Father even as Jesus glorified his Father. And may the Son be glorified in all that we say and all we do. And may the Holy Spirit not be grieved by the life that we live. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bible Center Church. For more information, you can find us online at www.biblectr.org. You can also connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash BibleCTR.